We must be headed for a recession, right? If you've been watching the news for the last few months, you'd probably believe so. But what if we're not? What if the predictions are wrong? Today on the Mark 1 Market Moment, we're taking a look at why a recession might not happen and what that would ultimately mean for you. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. We upload a brand new podcast every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Well, hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment. This is episode 110. Today, we're asking, what if we're not in a recession? My name is Eli Freeman. I'm an advisor here at Mach 1. I'm joined today with Lee Mackey and David Lee, both partners here at Mach 1. If you consume a lot of financial news, you've no doubt heard the same concerns brought up day after day, week after week for the last several months. Take a listen to this soundbite. A growing number of adults in the U.S. fear the nation is on the verge of a recession. In today's Money Watch, we're talking about how to prepare for a potential recession. With inflation at a 40-year high, many experts warn of a possible economic slowdown. With recession concerns and rising inflation, the grass may not be greener on the other side. And that's, that's what we're hearing over and over, is, is we're headed for a recession, doom and gloom, all bad news. And, and we've talked in the last couple of episodes, you can even refer back to episode 103 about us defining what is a recession, what is a correction, what is a bear market. If you go a couple episodes after that, we talk about some of the positive things that we, we are keeping on focus. But are we headed towards a recession, Lee? And, and what is technically a recession? A, a recession is, as we've talked about, is defined as two consecutive calendar quarters with negative GDP growth. That's the technical definition. You know, economists... Um, you know, the, the top investment gurus, you know, they all put their spin on exactly what that means. You know, are there some mitigating factors? But by and large, you know, if the, if the economy shrinks over two consecutive quarters, that is commonly referred to as, you know, we're going to a recession. Now, mm-hmm. as we've talked about before, oftentimes we do not know that we have been in a recession until we've looked back in the rearview mirror and we see that in fact, oh yeah, we were, you know, six months ago in a recession. And so that's some of the, the, the arguments, if you will, will on, on that issue. Yeah. So when you say two declining quarters of GDP, are you referring to the stock market going down for two declining quarters? No, I am not. The, the stock market and uh, the economy are two very different things. We're, we're talking about gross domestic product, the the amount of goods and services purchased and consumed is what I'm referring to. The stock market may go up. Um, oftentimes, you know, when we have gone through a recession, that has not been indicative from a from the stock market standpoint. Now, as we've talked about also on these podcasts, the stock market is a leading indicator. So oftentimes, the stock market is telling you six months nine months in advance that it feels like a recession is coming 
that's why a lot of people feel like the stock market has been pointing to a recession possibly in 2023 hence why the stock market is down right now where it's at mm -hmm. so oftentimes during a recession the stock market is already turned around and it's on its way up because it's looking ahead another six to nine months mm -hmm. right. so you, what you're what you're saying is the beginning of the year that we're down 12 to 30 percent depending on which index you're looking at what has happened in the market in just the beginning of this year is the stock market looking forward saying yes most likely we're headed towards a recession and we're trying to price that among other things yeah. that is correct i yeah, mean they're looking at or, a, yeah it, they're looking at a number things. of factors they're looking at inflation they're looking at recession they're looking at you know energy issues fed interest all, rate policies that's correct so all of those things they're trying to digest everything and look ahead recession just happens to be one of them mm -hmm. so if if we are going to talk about a recession what are some of the indicators leading into a recession david you you had some things yeah one of the you know, one of the kind of long-held uh, leading indicators of a potential recession coming, one of the most reliable indicators most experts believe is the yield curve, uh, when the yield curve goes inverted. So what what does all that mean, to put that in layman's terms? So um, whenever you buy a fixed-rate investment, like a treasury or a CD or whatever, you would ordinarily expect that the longer-term CD or treasury or bond you buy – the more reward you should expect to get from that from tying your money up for a longer period of time. In other words, you would expect a longer term, say, CD to pay a higher yield or interest rate than a shorter term CD. When it, um, rever when it inverts, the opposite is true. In other words, short term rate, short term yields from CDs or what have you tend to be higher in the short term than they are in the long term. That has, again, historically been a very, a fairly reliable indicator. Nothing's 100 per, there is no crystal ball, right? We hear us say that all the time. If you listen to this uh, podcast, there's no way to, you know, with 100% accuracy, predict what the market or what the economy is going to do. But an inverted yield curve has historically been a highly reliable indicator of a recession to come. So quick data points on that. So where are we right now? The two-year treasury as of today, stands at 3.12%, whereas the 10-year is at 2.96%. So that is an inverted yield curve right now. It's barely inverted, right? The short-term rates are slightly higher than long-term rates, but nonetheless, it is inverted. So that has been a, a fairly reliable indicator. And in, right now, it's been inverted for, what, a week? Yeah, a few days. Yeah, yeah. Just, a few yeah days. not very long. What, the, the general presumption is that it needs to be inverted for at least one to two months yes. for that to truly be a yeah. leading indicator. And even then it's, it's not a hundred percent. It's, it's still what would be considered a theory. Yes. And it, it it's not a 100% certain that the yield curve being inverted, especially in a short term time frame, being an, being an indicator towards a recession, but what else Lee are some indicators from a recession? Um, you know, employment numbers, um, consumer spending, inflation, um, you know, those are oftentimes indicators, as we've mentioned, that p economists look at when trying to determine or gauge or forecast a recession. Um, they're not 100 percent, as as David mentioned, you know, and and I think the, the theme of this podcast is, you know, maybe we're not necessarily headed that way. And 
it, it is those numbers that I just mentioned or those factors that give most people who are in the camp of we're not going to have one reason to champion their argument. I mean, employment numbers, the, the last unemployment rate was at 3.6%. That is back to pre-COVID right. levels. So we're we're essentially at full employment. Um, go around to stores, restaurants, you yeah. name it. You know they all have help wanted signs. I mean, we're at almost max employment. Number two, consumer spending. Spending is still strong. You know, you go to stores, you go to movie theaters. People are still spending money. And then if you look at commodities and oil, you know many people feel like commodities may have peaked in may you know we're hoping that the price of oil may have peaked in june um, which was reflected in today's um, inflation report so there when you look at those factors they seem to indicate that maybe we're not going to, right. to enter into a recession or if we do it's very shallow yeah. it's, it's very mild on that note i want to kind of expound on this for those of you out there listening if you've been a client for a long time you may remember years ago i talked about how demographics are a leading indicator of consumer spending because the, in the united states 70 percent of our economy is consumer spending driven we also know that the typical u.s consumer spends the most money in their lifetime between their late 40s to mid 50s for a variety of reasons that's when the kids get most expensive for a variety of reasons that's true so if you look at birth rate trends 45 to 55 years ago if birth rates are going up back then that means you're going to have an increasing number of the 45 to 55 demographic group today which means you can probably bet that you're going to have rising consumer spending just due to demographic forces so in the 1990s for example the baby boomers were how old they were in their mid 40s and so we had a really booming economy throughout the 1990s I would argue a lot of that was supported just by demographic forces of the baby boomers hitting that peak income peak spending time in their life. So why am I saying all this? 1973, well, for after the baby boom, 1962 or so to 1973 or so, we had the baby bust. Birth rates went down year over year for all of that time. From 1973 to roughly 1991, birth rates went up again. We call it the echo boom, where birth rates continue to increase year over year for that sustained period of time. Well, 1973, I'm, I happened to be born in 1973. 1973 was 48 years ago. So that means that the leading edge of the echo boomers are now in the peak spending, peak earning stage of their life. My theory is that that's going to add a little bit of a tailwind, so to speak, so that when you do have a recession that will inevitably happen from time to time, you at least have a little bit of a tailwind of that demographic group, the echo boomers, being in that peak consumer, peak spending age of their life which should add a little bit of juice to the economy and hopefully help uh, any recessions that do come along be milder. You know, much has been said about a soft landing. You know, can the Fed engineer a soft landing? Because a lot of people feel like the Fed's actions, raising interest rates, are what throw an economy into a recession because they're trying to do what? They're trying to slow spending. Right. Well, in, in times past, it hasn't been a soft landing. It's been a They've crash. They've slowed it too much. They've slowed it to a halt. Yep. And here's the quandary that they're in going on some of the stats that we've in the factors that we've just looked at. You know, the reasons that we've given that there may not be a recession or if it is, it's mild is 
strong employment numbers, strong, strong consumer, consumer spending. spending. But the Fed looks has to look at that and think, okay, those are factors that we might not go into a recession. But at the same time, those are factors that would indicate higher inflation. Okay? More people are spending. More people have jobs that have good incomes. And so it's this balancing act that the Fed has got to to keep in place while they're trying to land yeah, the proverbial Yeah, you were, you were talking plane. before we started the, the, the show today about how, who was it, who was the expert that's saying um, Jay uh, Powell Jer- needs to be. Jeremy Siegel. Jeremy Siegel was saying that Jay Powell needs to not be looking in the rearview mirror, but looking forward so that, so that they don't overdo the interest rate policy and bring us to a crash landing instead of a soft landing. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the Federal Reserve's jobs, along with enacting fiscal policy, is just setting realistic expectations for what they are seeing. And, and what they've been saying on a consistent basis is, we're trying to tame inflation. That's our number one goal. Will that cause a recession? Maybe. But, but why aren't they wor- that worried about a recession? Because of the indicators that we're saying today, consumer spending's high, personal balance sheets are still very strong. And I think what the Federal Reserve is looking at is saying, yeah, individuals have a very strong balance sheet, meaning that individuals have more money in their checking and savings account than they ever have in history. And what does that mean? Well, we can withstand a short period of high inflation. Now, can we withstand that over a long period of time? Well, no. Nobody could. No Nobody, nation could. No right. nation could. Yeah. All that does is devalue the dollar, and it puts more stress on anyone making less than $50,000 in America. Right. So, no, we, we can't withstand that over a long period of time, and that's what they're focusing on is, is just taming that inflation. Now, the counter-argument to all of this is consumer spending and personal balance sheets are so strong. Demographics, like David was saying, are, are in favor of this period of time being a strong period of time in the economy. Going forward, the supply chain will hopefully correct itself, meaning that, that goods and services traveling to us won't be as expensive for us to get, for us to purchase at the stores. If, if that tames inflation, personal balance sheets are still strong, that means that possibly just a mild recession, if any, right? Right. And, you know, and that, I think all of that does kind of assume that there no other shoe drops, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like as long as we don't have another resurgence of some other pandemic this fall or winter, as long as there's not uh, some significant world crisis like a nuclear escalation in Ukraine with Russia and who knows what else, right? But assuming you don't have some other major world crisis slash catastrophe happen, the supply chain will get healed and inflation will peak out. Inflation will start to come down. The Fed will start to reduce interest rates and we'll get back into a bull market again. Mm-hmm. And one of the concerns that, that clients have, have voiced to me on a consistent basis is, well, what if this is just like 2008? What if what if what we're going through is like 2008? I wasn't in the business in 2008. You guys have, yeah, have more Yeah, we both were. Yeah, I can... I, yeah, I can I can tell you my perspective, and Lee, I'd love to hear yours. I mean, I don't think this... This doesn't feel anything like 2008. I mean, 2008, I mean, it was like... Uh, the sky was falling. I mean, the the whole financial system was, you know, on the verge of collapse. Banks were in real trouble. I mean, we all remember people were walking away from houses left and right. I mean, now it's almost the opposite of that. I mean, 
again, you, someone, one of you guys talked about it earlier. You go to any restaurant, they're covered up. People are traveling like crazy. Fourth of July travel was back to pre-COVID levels, if not higher. Travel anywhere. I mean, you get on an airliner, you go to an airport, it's crazy. I mean, that people are spending money uh, at a very healthy clip. So it's nothing like we saw in 2008. Uh, that's another reason why I'm optimistic. You might even say bullish on where we're headed from here. So, but leave, what are your, what's your, I mean, I would, I would agree. I mean, we, 2008, 2009 was not about the stock market. It wasn't about inflation. I mean, it was a fundamental collapse of our financial system. And so, I mean, we're not, we're not even remotely in the same ballpark as we were back then. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, I'm going to say something that, that may be slightly controversial, and I, I think it'll be a fun thing just to, to picture price-to-earnings ratios of companies. If you if you're to look at them at the end of the year last year versus right now yeah. in the market. Right now, the price-to-earnings ratios are significantly stronger just, just based on the, the stock prices going down yep. to the earnings at companies because yep. earnings are still strong right. right now for most companies. If, and that's a big if, we don't go into a recession. What do you guys think would happen to the market? Well, going along the lines of with your PE discussion, I mean, if earnings remain decent and prices have come down 20 to 30, 40%, well, you know, stocks are cheap. Yeah. I mean, if, I mean to boil it down to, you know, you have a, you have a stock sale. Um, I mean, if that were to, follow through then you would you would think that if the worst really did not come to fruition then we would have a pretty nice buying opportunity yeah with a lot of different names the, the only modifier i would add on to that is like we kind of talked about early on in this episode that the market isn't just about whether a recession is going to occur or not it's about fed interest rate policies and a whole host of other things so i think if we don't get the recession, to answer your question, if we don't get the recession and because P.E. ratios are good, you know, better than they've been in a long time. And if the Fed then in turn starts to maybe even slightly reduce interest rates again, as the as it looks like, hey, you know, we got inflation tackled and and uh, uh, we're not getting recession, then I think that would really be the other element that would be necessary for the market to really have a good recovery. I'm going to add something only because I think this is important for our, our listeners to understand bad news does not always mean bad news Yeah. in, in this industry. That's a great point. bad news can sometimes be a great opportunity, be, be, be good news. Yeah. You know, for example, this morning at seven 30, the inflation core inflation was, you know, announced that it was 9.1% year over year the highest in, you know, 40 some odd years, somebody that is just hearing that may expect, oh my goodness, the stock market is going to collapse. You know, we're going to have a horrible day. And now the markets are basically up, you know? And so it is, it is a reminder that just because you see a headline scrolling across the bottom, that would seem to be bad. The markets again are looking are forward. Looking forward. And That's so, right. Just a reminder to our clients to take a deep breath and to us yeah. to take a deep breath. Yeah. The other reminder, thank you for that, Lee. Uh, the other reminder I want to say for, for our clients who are in or near retirement, 
if you're planning planning to retire, say in the next five years, or you're already retired, this market has been a good reminder of why we've always said solve for income first when it comes to your planning. Solve for income first. What does that mean? As a reminder, it means you've got enough income coming in from guaranteed sources such as Social Security pensions or private pensions, also known as annuities. You've got enough income coming in from guaranteed sources that when the market inevitably goes through its fits and spurts that it's going to go through, you don't have to worry as much about what the market is doing because your your income is secure. So regardless of whether the market is good or bad, whether you've got an administration in charge that you like or don't like or whatever the environment may be, that fundamental rule does not change. Solve for income first if you're planning for retirement. So uh, just keep that in mind. You know, David, that's those are great points. And I think that as a reminder to us all is, you know, we as advisors, our clients, and anybody out there, stay focused. You know, it's easy to look in the rearview mirror and think, well, shoulda, coulda, woulda, <laughs> but we need to be looking forward. We need to stay focused on our long-term objectives because most plans take into account hiccups along the way. And so as a reminder to everyone, let's just remain focused steadfast and continue on with what we're doing yeah thanks lee and that actually that leads perfect into our thought of the day so we always like to do a thought of the day today's is the real trick in life is to turn hindsight into foresight that reveals insight thank you for joining us on today's podcast we look forward to having you next week on the mock one market moment Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC, Mach 1, is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak to your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit mach1financial.com disclosures.